Welcome to Rally Bites Radio on the 30th of September. How time flies when you're enjoying yourself, eh? And delighted to have Alan Watt back on the line again for some more of his insights into what's going on. Can you hear me okay, Alan? Yes, sir. Yeah, great. Um, <laughs> where do we start? Uh, I suppose... <laughs> Question, well, well, yeah. Yeah, well, the, there's... Um, I don't know if you saw it, there was a Dr. Yeden or Yeden who was uh, a former chief scientific officer at Pfizer for 16 years. Yeah, and he's... Uh, so you have seen it, yeah. He's going on about the, the cases and why there's there's no threat of a second wave and why it's basically all based on bogus data. And there seemed to be some pushback even even in Australia on Sky News. Yes. There's a presenter there spoke to somebody uh, in Sweden talking about this and saying that we should look at Europe. And uh, there's, there's, they keep saying these cases are going up and up and up and up, but uh, the fatalities are just basically flatlined since June and there's nothing actually happening. And uh, it's, it almost reminded me of Michael Mann's hockey stick, you know, kind of all these case numbers going up and up and up and absolutely nothing happened to the temperature. Um, yeah. But, I mean, the more uh, testing you do with the faulty test anyway, uh, you're guaranteed to put the, the numbers up, but, but there's nobody ill with it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, this this guy's actually saying that, uh, I, know, I know we've we've mentioned before, it's uh, about 50% at least false positives. This, guy, this guy's saying that actually all of them could be false positives. 90-odd percent, yeah. Yeah, so uh, and our 99.8 percent survival rate, even you if you're the, even I if you're infected. That test, remember, uh, Neil, yeah. uh, the inventor of it said it's not to, it's useless for diagnosis. It's not for, it's for laboratory purposes only. It's not for diagnosing patients. So even even the inventor said this. You know. Yeah, I'm, I'm just I'm just wondering if some um, people in the media are starting to realise that uh, this is a lot worse even for them, than they thought. They've been spouting the lies for six or seven months and they're starting to see what's happening, particularly in Australia. As I say, that guy was on uh, Sky News in Australia, uh, yeah. one of their uh, news anchors or whatever it is. But um, he he must be seeing what's happening in Australia and thinking, uh, do I really want this for my children? <laughs> You've got to wonder. Um, but um, my, my niece was in Australia until recently. Thankfully, she got out about three or four weeks ago. Uh, she was there for a year. And they've asked her to go back, and I've, I've tried to say to my my brother, uh, no, don't do that, don't do that, don't let her go. But um, yeah, in Australia, I don't I don't know if you've seen this one. It's it's getting even even worse. They're they're talking about now being able to basically do as they like with you, uh, force you against the wall or down on the ground, and, and take your clothes off. Yeah. So uh, in terms of Australia, okay, it, it was. Uh, well, it started off as a, a, a penal colony for for uh, Western nations, if you like. Um, it seems to be going back there. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah. sure, I mean, it's always had it just below the boil there, you know, it's, it's in peacetime. Um, there's a, a kind of a restrained civility <laughs> with the police on the people. But it's, it's, you see, they've given the order now for, for, for the voice of authority, to call it. The United Nations, and some of the top politicians are saying they're repeating it. There's time now just to literally use um, extreme authority with over the public now, uh, and yeah. you know, the police are the first to react and, and to put it into into play. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, I mean, Australia always had this reputation of having all these these macho men. That, you know, you, you watch the Australian rules football and they were all <laughs> wrestling each other and the Australian rugby team was this big, uh, tough outfit and all that. A, a guy and, in Australia, Neil, a guy in Australia sent me some, some stuff um, recently uh, and uh, the city he's in, he said that uh, he can see that the, the local um, keep fit gym, you know, where they, they do all their, almost their, their, their kind of 20-minute uh, workouts kind of stuff. And the guys now are wearing leotards like the girls, eh? And, uh, and, and <laughs> I think the old Dundee, Crocodile Dundee is pretty well gone, you know. Yeah, I always think about those um, those gymnasiums. They're generally big glass windows, and, and everybody can see in. And yeah. as you say, they're, they're sitting there in uh, leotards and things like that. Yeah. Just just like the people that go out for a cycle these days, men are wearing uh, latex uh, pants and all this kind of stuff. Yep. And I just thought, I thought back to my childhood. <laughs> you think we were going about on these chopper bikes and falling off them, skinning our knees, banging our heads, and all sorts of things. And these guys uh, nowadays seem to be just want to wrap themselves up in cotton wool in there. You know, they're, they're so vain. Um, it is it just I, happened by itself. Uh, people don't realise that everything that they, <laughs> the system they live in is pretty well manufactured for them. And I mean in minute detail. And the whole um, unisex idea was literally to, to eliminate the, the obvious distinctions between men and women. That was, that was part of it. But it's bigger than that because it's also, and, and this, is, uh, this is stuff that's been mandated by the, the culture creators for years. Uh, there's, there's high level courses on how to do it and implement it in countries and nations. And uh, we know some of the culprits that fund lots of it. But, but um, so yeah, you get this sort of unisex idea uh, where, where, where men and women are the same, basically. There's also the sustainability is, is interwoven with all of it, completely all of it. Uh, and sustainability is, is a buzzword for, for depopulation. Same with climate change, you see. Same with COVID. It's for depopulation purposes. And, and the World Economic Forum and the sustainability programs is all completely interwoven. But, but the fashion design uh, is, to, is to get people into the, the look. The look now is thin, 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 you see. Uh, for a post-industrial, post-consumerist type society where goody-goody people uh, are completely vegans eventually. I mean, that's pushed from the very top of the United Nations, veganism, you know. It was pushed years ago when I did the talks on the big five agribusinesses uh, and the chemical industries that they own for the pesticides and the herbicides pushing complete veganism. Uh, and again, the, the, you get the overdosing uh, of the kind of uh, zyto and phenol estrogens affecting men as well. But, it, but the thing is, they're all looking so thin, 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 and this is the good approved look. You see, it's, it's approved. If you look at the rioters in the streets, and the, oh, sorry, the protesters in the States, they're just like, there's cold weather, so they burn houses for get heat to get heat. But you, if you just look at them, uh, they've got the, 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 you swear they had their, their pants painted on them, the black pants. The, the, remember years ago, back in the 80s, they had the kind of spandex type for the, for the, for the girls. You can see everything in them. It's very, very similar, you know. And uh, you're, you're watching um, uh, all this come to, to the fore now. You're good, you're approved, you're one of the crowd uh, because you're so thin and, and you're probably vegan. Or you want, or at least you'll tell your friends you are, 
and that's all approved. That's the new approved format yeah. for, 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 the, for the young. And anybody who's older with, with baggy pants or older, or, or, you're bad because you're probably too much and you maybe even eat meat. You say, I, I'm not kidding you. This is, this is, I've, I've seen some of the programs from the very, very top pushing this whole agenda here. You know? yeah, I just, they I... copy it and they have no idea <laughs> that what they're copying is all designed for them. The, their language, the phrases they use, the, the new buzzwords, neologisms, you know, and, and, yeah. um, and their fashions are completely designed for them. Yeah, yeah. I, I remember back uh, at, at, when I was at university, I was doing uh, this, uh, it was called Hotel Services Management, but it covered hospitality and uh, whatever kind of context, whether it was prisons, uh, cruise ships or, or whatever. And uh, we had what? Uh, we had to do a stand-up talk for 15 minutes on nutrition and, and diet and all this kind of thing. And I, I was working, paying my mortgage at the time, so I was doing 60 hours a week working, and I was just fitting in university when I could. And uh, all the books in the library were obviously out by the time I got there. So I just grabbed what I could and uh, did this presentation on how the how people's bodies had changed, the shape of the yeah. bodies, what was what was acceptable, what was uh, seen as attractive, uh, you know, 100 years before or 50 years before. And went down that road and, and uh, kind of went through how the diet had changed and stuff and how people were now kind of going back to being fat because uh, all the processed foods and things like that. This was before I knew anything. So I, I obviously noticed something in that. But um, sure. And uh, I showed uh, pictures of naked bodies and that, which freaked out the, uh, the uh, tutors at the time, although it probably wouldn't now. But um, I was just, I was, <laughs> this, uh, this skinny look, and I see I see articles all over the place now for uh, veganism. Oh, I I had a triple heart bypass until I became vegan, and now I'm okay, kind of thing. Well, she's okay because she had the triple by bypass, not because uh, not because she's a vegan, but uh, it's it's maybe getting people used to being skinny so they won't notice when they're starving. It, well, it's it's more than just that. That's a big part of it. It's like everything else in the present globalist revolution. This is the elite's revolution. It's not the people on the street. They're just the useful idiots, you know. But the globalists have been after this. They already ruled the old system. They're moving their system into the next part of their system. And this is what the chaos all is, is to train the rest of us to go along with it. And uh, that's why the COVID is being used, too, for sustainability, etc., etc. The, the, the function mainly for the U.S. is almost over. I, I gave these talks many years ago that the U.S. was the battering ram that took over from Britain to force a kind of system across the world. And all the things you're talking about now, even with, with your fashion and, and various other things with Jen, are all pushed through the World Bank, based in the US, remember, <laughs> and, uh, and IMF, etc. And they, they, they won't give you loans across the world unless you accept all the, all the so-called progressive policies. Uh, and, don't, just, and that's why they tie in completely with the Marxist philosophies and, and the tenets of the manifesto because the destruction of marriage is, is at the top. That's what Carl Quigley talked about. He says, we, 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 meaning the elite group that he belonged to, he said, we are often mistaken for communists. He says, because much of our agenda is, is in parallel with, with the same goals. And he's talking about the, the CFR and the Royal Institute for International Affairs. Um, so, so it's the same thing. If you, if you destroy marriage, and then you promote all, all other kinds of sexual activity, uh, and, and, and in fact, you, you can actually boost or put the, the, the depletion of, of offspring by pushing, uh, 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 dealing with the, with the problems of hypersexual activity, uh, which is abortion. You see, 
until it's normal now. It's just getting rid of a, a wart, to say it to the woman, uh, to have an abortion. So they've achieved a lot of goals, depopulation, no bonding, because folk don't stay together long enough to bond. That was also part of their, their manifesto, when you look at it in depth, you know. They've achieved a lot, most of the goals, and yet <laughs> people always thought it was just a, this Marxist, a, a communist idea. It's much bigger than just Marxism. Yeah. We're living I... through a, a planned uh, society. So the U.S. was a battering ram um, from World War I onwards, really, uh, since it took over the financial system. And the taxpayers of the U.S. have been funding it ever since. You know. yeah. it's, it's no coincidence that there's a, a remake of uh, Brave New World uh, ah. just came out there a couple of months ago. I haven't seen it, but uh, it's a TV series of it. And I'm sure it'll be full of sex and drugs and rock and roll. And everybody will be happy. But uh, I was just wondering if uh, some, of these, some of these Australian cyclists are going down the road with a spandex on how the, how the authorities are going to get them off them, because they'll need to, need to get a tin opener or something. <laughs> well, one thing about them, uh, um, if it comes down to smuggling food eventually, during all the our present ongoing curfews this, this winter, I'll come in curfews and so on, uh, and um, and you'll get to, they'll go door to door to see if you've been hoarding food. By the way, that's also on on emergency plans if you ever look at them. Um, well, I remember you. I remember you talking years ago about the the smart fridges, and you got all the all the barcodes on the tins and stuff. And your smart yeah, fridge will be telling the authorities. Your smart meter too, and so literally, and all the different gadgets in your home. Uh, inter interact as well, so they know exactly what you've bought and, and if you're buying too much, etc. And all, most of the stuff you're buying, even cans, all got little barcodes on it, so they they got all that data. And most folk today, anyway, use their, their credit cards, so they and they and they get their point system, so that the stores they buy from have got a complete list of everything. That's part of the deal. When when you say, oh, I'll get a discount because I, I get to, I'm a good consumer at this this particular store, they give me a, a card. Oh yeah, but you, you've also signed away your right to privacy as to what you bought, and they can give that to the government and so on, which they do. And, and insurance companies, of course, I think I've heard you mention that before, um, to to basically deny you insurance because you eat too many French fries or you eat too much meat, for example. Your health insurance. So leotards, you, see, you, you won't have any problems in Australia because you, in a little bulge you'll show. <laughs> so I don't know if you've been stashed a Mars bar or something, you know. In, in the yeah. is, is, is that a Mars bar in your pocket? Are you just pleased to see me? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so I mean, it's uh, Australia. I, I, I mean, how far do you think they? I mean, they, they've gone pretty far already. I've, I've seen. I don't know. If, I know you have a trouble seeing videos and things, but I, I don't know if you saw the one of them going through the the open air food market. Uh, there, there must have been. I, I don't know. A hundred of hundred of these um, stormtrooper police officer yeah. types with the shields and the batons, the whole face is covered. You, would, you wouldn't be able to recognise them. You know, you, you don't know who's well, beating you over the head. And this is the reason for it. See, nothing in your life happens just by chance, you know. Uh, when it comes to culture, and culture changes the creation or entertainment. And the, remember the old um, uh, Star Wars, you know. And you saw the, 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 those particular mechanical, well, all, all the troops were, were, they all looked the same black or white uh, outfits they had on, like a chessboard idea. Here's the good ones, here's the bad ones, but really they were all the same. They're kind of faceless creatures. You saw the same thing, um, and um, what was the one that um, uh, to do with, the, the Deval was in the futuristic one as well. 
where they live underground and work in um, uh, THX. Is it THX one the movie? Uh, you see it there too. Hello? Hello? I think we've lost Alan. Okay, we're back on air. Uh, Gremlins kicked in again. And I think, Alan, you were talking about the movie THX, uh, was it 11, 11.38, I think it is. I think it was, uh, yeah. With uh, Robert Duvall. Yeah, they lived underground. And these uh, these police officers were, I think they were actual robots, weren't they? And they were... Yes, they were. And and uh, and then, as I say, with the Star Wars, you saw those the, the, the so-called white-clad good guys fighting the, the, the black-clad. They're, they're both the same, the, the troops, you know. They're like robots, and um, you weren't sure if they were human or not. And now you're seeing the same thing with the, the troops or, or policemen with their body armor. They, they look much the same as a Star Wars idea. You've been trained already. They're otherworldly, you see. Uh, they're alien to an extent, which makes them more fearsome uh, and, and terrifies the public. It's intentional. It's designed that way. Yeah. Did you hear what happened in Trafalgar Square at the weekend? Uh, not much. Uh, yeah, not much. well, what had happened was they had the, the usual crowd there, um, quite quite a large number, um, peacefully protesting and getting along fine with the the ordinary policeman with the, the usual uh, peaked helmet on. Uh, until later, when these stormtrooper-type riot policemen uh, came down both sides of them and just charged into the crowd uh, and yeah. started beating them. Uh, obviously, an orchestrated thing, um, and you've got you've got to wonder what ordinary policemen standing around looking at that are thinking. Yeah. I, what, I mean, what's going through their minds? Do you, do you think they are just, uh, oh well, that's uh, that's nothing to do with us. We we've we've, did, we've done our part. We've been peaceful and quiet, and uh, we haven't beat anybody up, so we're okay. Uh, these guys can can deal with that later. But um, ordinary ordinary police officers are. Obviously, in the firing line, and quite literally, in, in places like Portland in America, and sure. other places where they're getting defunded. Um, I think some of them in New York actually resigned because uh, they were getting defunded. And they, they... A lot of them did. Yeah, a lot of them actually retired to get out of retirement. Yeah, but and I mean, this, go, I this... mean, why go to work when you get no backup uh, to do your job from the government, or local government, or federal government? So why, why would you go and get murdered? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, they put their lives on the line anyway in a lot of these cases, but uh, when they're not going to get back up from anybody, um, I think. And, and, and even if they do get back up, then they're, they're still probably facing some kind of, you know, uh, court prosecution uh, for doing yeah. their jobs. Um, but I, I was speaking to somebody in the, the little bar that we go to uh, once or twice a week, um, and what they, he, was, he was talking about this... Uh, the Black Lives Matter and stuff and blah blah blah. And I said to him, I says, if if, uh, if black if black people think that they're they're getting some kind of privilege over white people, this is uh, there's, there's there's going to be some kind of uh, race war going on, and it's not going to end well for them. And he said he said no no no, this is a, a lot of rednecks down here. They're just uh, are hoping that happens because uh, they just want to take them out. Yes. And, and that's not a, that's not a pleasant prospect to. Uh, but this is an old to, idea. Yeah. The Communist Party they tried it in the states before, gone way back actually. When they tried to, they, they trained Garvey as a communist. He was a a, a, a black leader, and um, and eventually he turned on the, on the trainers because he realised that they were getting, they were using the black folk to try to get revolution started. And uh, and he he was really screwed by them because they they defunded them and they they destroyed his income and uh, even his big plans to to 
for a shipping company that he, he was getting involved with at the time. So, but yeah, they were quite open about trying to get a racial war. It was the easiest um, chink in the armor looking at America back at the, in the late 1800s, early 1900s. And, uh, and they actually talked about it in great detail, how to start a racial war, how to get anybody who, who had less than anybody else and, uh, and then train them, the leaders, and then agitate and eventually have riots and um, an overthrow, but it failed at the time. Because it's the whole um, Black Lives Matter uh, thing where you're you're watching these people out in the streets um, in the early days, uh, trashing all these businesses and burning them down. It, it reminded me a bit of uh, the Saul Alinsky techniques of... Uh, it's the same thing. You see, you see that that guy Mann is a backout, M-A-N-N, one of the guys that was involved in that. He's up there on, on I think, YouTube giving talks about interviews on television about how he and his people... Uh, sympathize. This is the same excuse they used before. Sympathize with the black, and so they were funding the black for pushing for revolution. So it's uh, yeah, it's the same crew actually. Yeah, yeah I mean, he one of his uh, famous experiments, as it were, to was to feed a load of black people beans. I think it was, and uh, send them into the theatre to uh, let the white folks suffer the consequence of them eating beans. And and all it did was reflect even worse on the black people. And, and, yes and made people think of them uh, exactly as they wanted them to think of them. And uh, I think... And if you look at the BLM anyway, I mean, look at the leaders of them. I mean, I'm not talking about the one... Um, that we can't talk about. Uh, well, the ones that came <laughs> out as, as the Marxist leaders, uh, you look at the ones who are doing the, the, the riots, and it's, it's not black folk, it's they're, they're, uh, they're kind of white. <laughs> yeah. And some of them are descended from the, the revolutionaries, the great-grandkids of some of them. From the 1920s, you know, yeah, and they're they not are, actually, yeah. they're, and they're I not go on a, a lot more, but it's not really that wise these days. But, but uh, yeah, some of them are talking in certain lingos in the streets. I've got friends who are talking back to them in the same lingos. It's quite interesting to see what's going on. You're looking at, at uh, uh, the same old, same old, same old kind of thing, getting used for the, the final revolution. Yeah. And, you uh, might remember too. You see, the U.S. literally took over from the old, <laughs> the old, the old communist uh, revolutionary thing, and so as, as Russia uh, supposedly went down, and Gorbachev gave his speech that don't believe that communism is dead. He says we're now spreading out to the West. A different technique. It ties in again with the, with, with um, Norman Dodd, that Rees Commission that did the investigation into the foundations were funding revolutionary movements back in the 40s and 50s. You know, mm. same one, same organisations yeah. that are funding them. And um, it, it came out back then of who was behind it, why they were doing it, and so on. And they said that they would, the Ford Foundation gave a talk that's on record. And you can hear Norman Dodd talking about it, another one's talking about it. They, they talked to the, the CEO of the Ford Foundation who, who said to them, our goal is to seamlessly join uh, America by changing its culture to, to that of the Soviet system incrementally until they can eventually join the two together into a new type of system. Yeah. Not yeah. quite capitalist, not quite communist, but that's the, that's the technique. Yeah, and I think it was Bezmanov was it that came over and said, "Wow, this is, we've been we've been very successful." Oh yeah, and, uh, yeah. Yeah, he actually said some awfully true as well, because he worked in Canada for a while in the in the, the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation. That's the, that's the, that's the their version in Canada, the BBC, is tax funded, and uh, the, the CBC we call it the Communist Broadcasting Corporation. 
because if you want to get progressive cutting edge, you, you tune in there and you play nightmares. But uh, he worked with the CBC, Bezmanov, and he said he met more real communists in the CBC than he met in the Soviet Union. Yeah. You had um, an article on your website this week uh, from the Daily Mail back in 2018, and I can't bring it up on here because it's not to interfere with the call, but um, I was looking at it earlier about, um, it's from the, Gar- was it from the Guardian, the Guardian maybe, and they were saying that uh, the the government had banned English schools from teaching uh, anything to do with anti-capitalism. And I thought, that's a bit strange coming from The Guardian. And then you, you read into it, and basic, basic, basically it's uh, it's just a move towards uh, teaching them anything of history yes. sure. uh, to to twist the whole narrative to, well, I, I guess it's uh, back to year zero. I don't know. Yes. Is, that, yes, is, is that where they're going to go? That's Absolutely, yeah. That, that's the, the whole part of the... Uh, you've been, see, you've been living through this revolution your whole life. You didn't know it. Because, as I say, it's mainly big cultural changes. That's how you do it, the, the, the Gramsci-type technique, you know. Gramsci gave the idea out that run countries head-on, and, and you'd probably lose if they were bigger and more financially secured, and just get in and start changing their culture. It might take you 100 years. Well, that's a technique that's been used very successfully. And, and when you look, see, we've been, everybody's been asleep. A 30 years wars across the Middle East and Asia, all funded by Britain and the States. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, uh, the, and, and the people in, the, in Britain and the States are generally ignorant of what's been happening. They see these things as kind of remote things that have nothing to do with them, even though they're funding it and they're sending troops to these things. Um, and they never ask why, you know. Uh, which is really interesting in itself. The, the people have been trained never to, to really go into any depth to find out the whys of anything, especially wars, like, like continuous wars, like Gulf War One, that literally morphed right into the Bush one, nine eleven, straight, uh, you know, Iraq, Operation Iraqi Freedom, as they put them in the Stone Age. But uh, it was all planned, including the mass migration out of those nations. And, and the kicker eventually was the, was, was the bulwark that held it back, or the mass migration back from, from Hinton Europe. And that was Gaddafi in Libya, and that day they they, they, they gave this this most, <laughs> this, this interesting Masonic thing that they gave France the right to to have the, drop the first bombs. That's what they said in the papers. Eh? They gave them the right to drop the first bombs on on, on Libya. Yeah. It was so symbolic in a much higher level. Gaddafi said it before it all happened. He says, "If you take us out here in Libya, it says that you get millions of folk every year flooding into to Europe and Britain." Well, that yeah. was the intention of it. Yeah. You 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 would think that uh, Gaddafi, uh, for all these faults, etc., would be the darling of the Guardian because uh, he was greening the, the Sahara and showing how you could uh, make, make uh, fields out of desert. The, the, the Guardian is like the rest of them. I mean, the, the, whatever you, absolutely, I gave the talk years ago. I said whatever you're into, they've got a ready-made either newspaper or system or club for you to join. They're all ready, like ready-made suits, you know. And it's just like religions, too. They have so many different varieties and, and shades of religion. You, whatever you, you think you might want to fancy or, or shop, or to do for shopping for religion or shopping for politics, they've got already made for you. The Internet is full of that, too, now. You know, that you've got all your stars out there. They've come out of nowhere. They're well-funded by the governments. And um, Well, we just, we just had a, a, a disgusting example of that in Ireland with these clowns called Jedward, these yeah. twins and... Uh, Oh, I mean, talk about nauseating. Uh, oh, wear your mask, wear your mask, do this, yes. take the vaccine, you know, and just uh, right. pathetic, pathetic. 
But um, well, I lost my train of thought then. Uh, but but I meant to say too, there was Rees, I think. Rees, not Dees, but Rees. The Rees Commission. Yeah, and, and that, that's so important to go through that because here's a man that was sent out by the Congress to investigate it all, who literally, even when he gave the interviews years later, he was still in shock when he, to find out that everything he believed in uh, and the, the, you know, the, reality, the kind of fake persona of the country, the nation state, was completely different than, than how he'd been raised and, and how his parents probably had believed too. And, and he was still in shock in finding out that there's a vastly different system running, running at the show. Yeah, I was, I was going to get back on that uh, Guardian article. Uh, they, they said that they want to teach uh, anything anti-capitalist. It made me wonder what they were permitted to teach them. Uh, because it, it doesn't say in there that not to teach them the WHO's sex education program, uh, grooming them all for paedophilia. It doesn't that's doesn't right. mention that. So that's that's always that's it. sustainability. You see, as long as they don't don't have bare children, yeah. they can do whatever they want. So that's that's the whole idea. It's also amazing when you go into some of the organisations that have been around that for years that helped with other organisations networking together given governmental authority, by the way, to change the cultures. And the Frankfurt School was one of them, you know. And you find that Theo Adorno talked about um, taking down, destroying the West right down to the very essence of everything that folk believed in, including, he said, uh, right down to necrophilia. He says, we, we won't even stop there with changing the culture. Yeah. I mean, the, everything that you, you thought was, was nice, good, and sacred, and decent had to be utterly, utterly, not just destroyed, but, but buried, you know? Yeah, I mean, if, if, you, if you go beyond necrophilia, where does that take you? Uh, well, you, you know, it's, when, you, when you see the fair that they've been pushed for, for entertainment recently, I mean, for, for years now, actually, getting worse and worse, the people literally are debauched already. Uh, when they see blood in the streets and folk getting tortured and slaughtered in the streets, but tortured before they, they get killed, they're already psychically prepared for it. Yeah, well, I um, might even enjoy it. Some of them. <laughs> yeah, well, it's, it's stick, it's sticking with that. Um, I don't know if you saw the clip of the girl being tasered at the. Uh, she was watching a college football match or something. That's right. With, with her mother beside her. And somebody's filming it from the stand. Again, getting back to these macho men, you know, they're, they're standing there filming this this huge guy, this huge, uh, I think it was just a security officer, but he had a taser. He wasn't a police officer. And literally wrestling with this young girl. And the mother's standing there allowing it to happen. I thought, why, why is she? I, I thought she was maybe not related at the time until I found out later that she was a mother. I thought, what, why is she letting this guy do this? <laughs> you know. And then there's, there's people standing around filming it. And I'll just sit and watching the game as if nothing's going on, and I, I just, it, it's, it's beyond belief. Here's something that folks should understand. <clears throat> I've said it so many times that we are the most studied species on the planet. It's, it's not ants or mice or rats and, and mazes, you know. It's people. And I, I've looked for many, many years at a, a consistent, re repetitive studies on human behavior. It's, when you see repetitive studies, and you'll, you'll see little things coming out every year by different organizations or MIT or somewhere, or the American Psychological Department, they're all getting funded to put out um, these studies, constant studies. And I remember maybe 10, 15 years ago, noticing the studies about questionnaires they were putting out, you know, uh, on sex. 
and they had all kinds of questions, and the age groups from, from up to, it was about 10 years old to, to, to 15, 15 to 25, 25 to, 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 to 45, and so on, about, do you mind uh, gay sex, you know, uh, and, and so on, how about gay marriage, before it was all legalized and so on, and the anthropic marriage itself. It's quite fascinating. Uh, to, to see the, the, the old, and it's not that old, it's been 20 years ago, <laughs> how many folk literally were against this or against that, whatever, or they weren't comfortable with, that's how they, they phrase it, you know. Um, but, but every year they, they, they put out new studies, or every few years, to see if more folk had gone, and sure enough, and, and they actually admitted in the studies, it was because of the early education uh, and the updating of the same education in the school system that now the youngsters were, were way ahead of older people. And older were about 20 years old, right? But way ahead of the, the folk at 20 uh, for, for, for saying it was quite acceptable. So that everybody's been trained incrementally into a whole variety of things sexually. And then when you see the fear that's been given for, from, was it, was it 40 shades of grey or whatever? I, I never watched these things. I don't have a TV. Shady, so, shady grey. <laughs> Shady grey. Yeah. And which is S and M, I think, isn't it? Ah, I believe so. S and M for entertainment, yeah. yeah. Uh, and and then you got grandmothers and everything watching it yeah. and, and buying the the discs or or the series, you know, from from the yeah. stations. S and M, I guess, is small minded. I don't know. Small, well, yeah, definitely small. But um, yeah, it's fascinating to 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 see the the studies as they, as they're giving you the new stuff and what, and then getting your feedback from people who are, who are unwitting fools for filling in all these questions because they don't even get themselves where it's all going to and where it's supposed to go to. So, yeah, yeah I mean, you, you're watching uh, the, the Adorno idea being, being fulfilled uh, and folk don't, you can't even put it together. Yeah. Well, it's just entertainment. Well, what do you yeah. think he was talking about? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know. uh, Paul was telling me that um, maybe a month or so before this whole COVID nonsense started, there was uh, somebody running for election here who was totally against homeschooling, totally yeah. against it, wanted to ban it. And uh, a couple of months before that, she went full circle. And then here we are. Uh, we've yeah. got uh, people getting taught at home on the computer uh, in their bedrooms privately where the parents are not allowed to, to view what they're getting taught. And there was a report came out, I think it was actually Florida, I can't remember. But um, they were getting very concerned that people decided, well, we'll just keep our children at home, thanks very much. Um, yeah. And they're pushing now to get them back in the schools. Uh, sure. I mean, is it because possibly uh, their parents are actually teaching them real things? Well, you probably saw the one with with one of the teachers, who's also a social activist. He was the one who who who, who was, was named the paper for being concerned that the children, uh, that the parents might snoop on what the children are learning, because he was all for promoting all the stuff we've just been talking about. That was that was in uh, Tennessee, I think, uh, yeah. and the, la the lady had to sign a waiver to say she wouldn't be in the room. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, so, I'm so, yeah, they, they, it's some of the leaders of the, the, the avant-garde of the. You can call it what you want. The Communist Party is one way of doing it. That Rees Commission and the Norman Dodd that gave gave the interview. In fact, he they went through some of this too. If you look in depth in their um, in, in their books that they came out of that that actual inquiry. So this is an old, old idea, and, and the Communist Party, if you want to call it communist, communism's a front, as you know. You know, mm -hmm. We can't go much deeper than that, but it's, it's a front. Uh, and the, and the, the people that they use are always used you know, to get it all, all into to play. 
but they're not going to be the winners themselves, the people who do all the, all the stuff at the bottom. In fact, they get rounded up afterwards because they're, they're, the, the system that used them can't allow them to continue that way when, they, when, they find, when the people find out they're not getting what they actually fought for. <laughs> Yeah, they, they get eradicated. And I, I guess it's. Happens. But anyway, uh, yeah, I guess it's the same. I guess it's the same technique. Deprivation, uh, step by step by step, is a big, big part of, of the total destruction. Going way back to Sidney Gramsci, and um, it's been awfully successful until literally people. Uh, there's there's no shame at all or blushing. It's uh, at voyeurism, which is what television is voyeurism uh, into, into deep, deep sexual affairs and it's so addictive which they know too, so incredibly addictive that's part of it as well and that's why they push it so much once they're addicted to that you won't, no one's going to have a stable relationship male or female you know? yeah. I, I remember you can, uh, because when you see things there they don't really happen in natural life yeah. I remember it's saying addictive and you want a bigger high and a bigger high and so you end up with uh, about mass promiscuity. You actually see it in the Matrix movie. They showed you a lot in the Matrix movies where they go into Zion underground, deep underground, and then you had this strange kind of orgy scene when they're all dancing and going crazy and so on. That's the system of the future they're showing you there. I remember being a young boy and there was, there was four children. Um, you'd be sitting in front of the TV with your mum and dad, they'd be watching something. It could have been that uh, ridiculous soap opera, Coronation Street, or whatever it was, and they'd be watching that. And if, if somebody so much as kissed each other, they'd be saying, oh, you don't be, you don't be watching that, you don't be watching that. Yeah. You know, and, and now, uh, as you say, people don't even blush if they see basically what is, what's pornography uh, portrayed as entertainment in a movie or something and sit there with the parents and watch it. And you, just, just, it's baffling, really. But um, going back to what you were saying about the, the so-called street revolutionaries as you were being rounded up, and dealt with because they can turn on the, the new, the new system as it were. Um, do you think it's the same? Is it the same technique used on the military when they come back, or the same, the same process? They, they dehumanise them and then you know they, they pull a few up for war crimes or whatever, and just yeah. uh, give them a bad name. Oh yeah, they certainly do. Plus, the military itself. Um, uh, years ago, the articles out there, and they called it the chemical soldier. They also had, uh, you know, uh, advancements in, in, in the soldier and how he'd be on super drugs and for, for to, be a super, uh, to be a super soldier. Well, they actually put them on lots of these drugs, eh? and uh, they're never the same afterwards. It would take them years to to get the stuff out of their system. It, it causes permanent damage in a lot of them. They've got soldiers today in, in America that have done so many tours uh, of duty that um, that's all they know about them. Uh, you can't go on like that as a human being. Uh, you're getting sent to hotspots, watching the misery. <laughs> it doesn't matter about IQ levels or anything. You, you see the misery. If you go into to Iraq and you see that it's still bombed into the Stone Age pretty well, and you see the misery caused by previous generations, so <laughs> your troops went in there, um, you, you, you couldn't possibly start saying, what, the, what, what on earth are we doing here? You know, what, 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 what have we done here? Uh, yeah. and, and of course, if you start thinking that way, you're going to find out, if you, if you really have this, the, the ability to go beyond your conditioning, the soldiers are incredibly conditioned, and um, they're trained not to think and not to feel. You know, that's what a soldier really is, just to obey. 
even to survive, you've got to be, live on your instincts, basically, fast and, and Pavlovian type responses. But um, if they start thinking, even in a few days off, off duty or they home and leave or whatever, that's when things crash in on them. And uh, they say, well, what on earth are we doing? Who, who, what's, what's really behind this? What's it really for? And if they start to get on that road there, that they're there for a different reason altogether, maybe even for a different nation or a different purpose or something else. Americans aren't benefiting from any, any of this at all, as you know. No. That's the big, big problem right now. We are left with the bill. And as, and as, and as you um, pay for it all, there's less money you spend at home on all the things that should be spent on in a, post a post-productive world, your, your post-industrial um, society you're living in. Yeah, all that money that's extra uh, uh, for taxes is going for the, for the military-industrial complex and to pay for all these, these um, bases across the planet. Yeah. Uh, it, it's not meant to go on forever. And back in the 1930s, as I mentioned before, when you look at the, the amazing books churned out by the Council on Foreign Relations and the Royal Institute for International Affairs, when they, were, when they had their annual meetings, their annual meetings, international meetings, uh, and I've got a group for the Far East, including Australia, and, and some of them, they're held in Australia. I've got the books here. Uh, and they, they go through it step by step. Before World War II happened, 1937, I think it was, 38, uh, they said that the coming war with Japan, well, there was no war with Japan at that time, and the coming war with Germany, you know, there was, the war hadn't started. But they, they, were, they didn't even pause to, to even consider in the book, and all the members were there giving their speeches, that's what the book is comprised of, the speeches of different politicians, that the, their central bankers were there, you know. Everybody who was anybody was there. And they're all listed in the back of the book, but there was no, no hesitation of even losing the war, which is quite fascinating. And what they would do afterwards in reconstructing the world. But right up until America, you know, uh, they, they went along the same lines as... Um, as previous philosophers and historians in Britain, like Arnold Poinbee, is America what will, will be the well, basically the, the, for, uh, the battering ram for, for this new order, its world order, and the, the taxpayers will fund it, massive, massive tax base. But they also yes. said that uh, America will be the ruler for a while of an empire, and then eventually it will, it will start to lose, and, and I think that's like Vietnam. When the big, the big, big change happened, the psychic change that it might not go the way we wanted to go, and why are we doing this anyway? And afterwards, you, you, you they said it'll rally again and, and conquer again, maybe once or twice, and then it'll collapse uh, internally. And that's exactly what's what you yeah. want. What you I, I mean, I think uh, since Vietnam, after, well, after they basically run out of Vietnam, they've been they've been bogged down in, in these wars in the Middle East for. Yes. for what, two, three decades now. And Absolutely. they're not winning anything. They're not winning anything. It's, yeah, certainly not. it's, it's a 30 years war, you know. Yeah, it's certainly, certainly not the hearts of It's a 30 years war. And, 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 uh, and uh, the US, and here's Trump again doing a saber rattling against Iran at the same time as Netanyahu has publicly said they might do a first strike on Iran, you know, themselves mm -hmm. from Israel. Anybody yeah. who's sitting thinking, say, wait a minute here. <laughs> you know? yeah. uh, do, do you realize what they're talking about here? You know? yeah, so I said to somebody here recently, do you, th do you think uh, going to war with China is a good idea? <laughs> do you think that's really going to end well <laughs> for anybody? But I, yeah, I, I remember, don't... remember Anthony Sutton. Anthony Sutton yeah. um, 
was, was that what the guy who came out with the real deep studies on the true trilaterals, you know. Uh, who, who, who did the books on who funded it? Who funded the. Uh, yeah, and, but yeah. also, he also came out with a history before it was called the Trilateral Commission, you know. Mm. And uh, he goes into the Wall Street and the Bolshevik Revolution, how, how Wall Street funded the Bolsheviks. And he gets all the data and the details and facts there. It's not speculation, it's not some, some author's uh, um, take on something, it's, it's actual evidence. And then he, he had two. Um, he had uh, one about who funded Hitler, you know, and another book called The Best Enemies Money Can Buy. How you always fund them up into prominence, then you get the wars going. And we've all lived through, if we were awake at all, the transference of all your factories to China with free trade and the GATT Treaty and so on. I did talks on them years ago when it was happening. I said, doesn't anybody notice that all your factories are, get, are literally uprooting physically, going over to China? They're even sending, in Canada, they were sending foremen over from different factories to train the people over there as their factories were getting moved. And we paid under the treaty, the free trade treaty, same with India at the moment, free trade, we paid uh, these factories and these corporations to move, physically move and put up their offices and their factories over there. For 15 years afterwards, under the treaty, uh, if they, they claim they've lost money because of the, the move, you know, in the 15 years, then they pay no taxes and they can, they can uh, for 15 years, and then they can, they can actually renew it for another 15 years, so they never pay taxes. They make stuff cheap over there and then sell it back to us again. The same <laughs> That's what the treaty is all about. And now we're doing the same thing with, with India, and, and a, a whole bunch of other countries, by the way. Um, and we're paying for the postage. Of this. Well, you look at this stuff from China. Whole thing is wonderful. Oh, I can order this from China online, and I get this come back in, 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 within a week, and it only costs about one or two dollars. You can't. You, I can't post a letter here for that kind of thing. We're paying for it all. Our tax money pays for China's posting the stuff to us under free trade. Yeah, it's like that. Go yet? Yeah, it's like the the Indian guy who was uh, the Indian guy who was the head of the IPCC at one time. Uh, and he was uh, he was high up in the executive of uh, Tata, and getting all yeah. those um, the the coal burning plants and all the rest of the steel plants all shipped over to India and rebuilding them again uh, for That's free. Right. Uh, and yeah, he was talking about climate change. Was it Pachuri too that was head of IPCC? Pachuri, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I'm That's talking right. about. And yeah, right. He got a massive grant, and and he signed. He opened up uh, coal mines in India. Yeah, and steel plants. Yeah, and but, uh, yeah, that, it, it, it's a complete farce. Yeah, the, the guy who was writing pornographic novels in his spare time. And grabbing the women publicly, yeah. you know, I don't know what he was on. The same stuff as that uh, other guy that uh, used to be with the World Bank. He, he was, he was. Uh, probably watching too much. These, these drugs for hypersexual. These characters, you know. They're probably watching too much television. Or he's watching too much television. <laughs> Well, he certainly an accent what he was seeing, you know. Yeah, I was, I was um, I, it, um, talking about the the drugs and stuff. It, it makes you wonder how screwed up these guys are that join the army, and and they're over there actually see what's been done. I remember the picture that came back when the, I think the Iraqis were trying to leave Baghdad or as one of the other cities that had been bombed, and there's a whole line of them, maybe a mile long, with these trucks that they just strapped with whatever they strapped them with, and the, the bodies were basically caramelised. And uh, and also I, I can understand why um, young men 
can see that on their televisions when they and, and then they'll see the the ads to join the army or the navy or whatever it is, and think, it's well, wait a minute, game. yeah, that could happen to me. They did the studies back in the the seventies and the eighties on on all the coming video games. You know, even before you got the really good ones coming out, they did lots of studies. They had ones out by the way for the military years before. They even had them just at the end of World War Two onwards. Got better and better. They're kind of video types, but they're actually for training people to kill because it's not easy to train folk to actually do the killing. You can go through the movements and and, the, and so on, but when you actually kill someone, it's a different thing. Unless you enjoy it and you're a psychopath, you know. They, they had these incredibly good games. Uh, they started off with the ones for World War II aircraft for shooting down enemy planes, and they had real footage in these kind of video things, you know. And then they went on and on from there. Then they gave, when it came all digital into, into the internet, they gave the plans to, to Japan. Japan started to lead the whole charge for making more improved video games, very realistic. And the Department of Defense in the U.S. funded most of it. And then they did the studies on Pac-Man even, and other ones as well, uh, to see how, if it was addictive to the youngsters. And, ha and they studied them all from the age of maybe five, right up until about 20 to see if it made any difference on their psyche and how they viewed the world or anything. And they did. They had more blunted feelings regarding humans themselves. And we got more and more realistic. They were, again, they were invented for the military initially. They started well, selling to the public because they wanted, and I gave the talks, it says they're going to raise a, a generation up uh, for the military with these games. And sure, now we'd actually have these articles out there saying from, from Xbox to... to to the, to the battlefield, you know. Yeah, was it wasn't it uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger that uh, did a tour of one of these uh, factories with all these war games and stuff? And he said this was ex. And I think it was the governor of California at the time, and yeah. saying how good it was to to train the children. Yes, and that's what it's for training a generation. And sure enough, you you've had them across the Middle East now, you know. Uh, literally, just for, for years and years and years, they trained them in advance. And they did documentaries only a few years ago. They were talking to some of them who were working, who were playing on the Xboxes, who were going into the military, and even took you into some of the recruitment offices where they, they have the same games in the recruitment offices for them to play with. So they go in there every day and they'll play and walk out and eventually get to know the recruiting sergeants and then they get talked into it. You know. Yeah, but, I, I, yeah it, blunts, it blunts your empathy. You're not... You're not um, you're, you're, they're so used to seeing heads explode in a virtual world there's nothing at all in real life yeah I often wonder if these young adults children uh, I mean I, I, I see people 40 years old have been playing these games and think, you think what, what, what are you doing you know um, and it makes me wonder if they're when they're playing online, they're supposed to be playing with their friends, and there's all this uh, this fake battle scene. It makes you wonder if that's a that's a training exercise going on. And uh, you get a knock at the door one day, and they say, "I, I believe you're very good at uh, whatever it is, uh, some murder game or whatever." Says, so like, "How do you, you fancy coming to work with us for a little while?" Well, yeah. uh, you said that, and it's happened mm. because uh, it was maybe four or five years ago. There was, there was articles. Actually, ads from the Department of Defense, uh, where they were buying a lot of these used games that had the recordings of, of the users in them, uh, and and the different systems they set up themselves, the users, 
for the battles and all that, and they actually analyze them to see the, the difference of, of that generation's mentality and their ability to possibly kill in real life as, as to the people who had never had that before, the previous generations that didn't have the, the games, you know. Yeah. So you're well, quite right, actually. <laughs> they're, they're actually. They're putting millions too. They're millions of dollars are putting out to, re to buy them back these games. Yeah, a number, of, a number of years ago, uh, Paula's son took part in an exercise in the. He was in high school at the time. wasn't even in college, and it was run by the military. And yeah. they were to design a system to hack into a computer. Yes. And a few, a few weeks later, there was a knock at the door from the military. Uh, saying, could they speak to their son? And she told them where to go. But um, that, that's that's what they're doing. They're going around the schools and setting up these little exercises uh, to to find out who's who's got the capability to do this, that, and the next thing. But for any specific thing they want them for, uh, they have their name and address, and uh, they come knocking on your door. That's right. It's just. <laughs> uh, uh, so, again, the parents think they, they can't quite relate to it. Think, well, it's a game, you know, just a game. And yeah. They can't really, they don't realise the effect it has on the mind uh, when you're getting trained to go out and slaughter, you know. Uh, and that's what it's about, truly. Really. You see, modern warfare is nothing like uh, the old Hollywood movies <laughs> of the 1920s and 30s or World War One or Two. Modern warfare is generally not going up against real organized armies, you know, no matter what they've said in the past, in the recent past, you've got really ragtag armies that you're invading their countries and you're going into civilian populations and policing the populations. That's not what the army's for. It's completely changed, you know. And so you're, the, you're regarded as the oppressors, you know? If you can't give a, a valid reason as to why you're there, then, then you're the evil guy. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. And, and they really can't. I mean, they can't. We know it was a complete farce with Afghanistan because they were ready to go into Afghanistan before 9-11 happened. Mm -hmm. It was all drawn up and had troops and so on all set to go. So that was, that was part of the, that was one of them on the list of the PNAC group from the 1990s, the same group that took over with Bush Jr. when he got in. Uh, and so it was all, all that whole list of countries was, was on the list to be taken out by the PNAC group. And, uh, and really, the, the, the people of America had no wars with the Middle East at all, you know. No, no I think that, for them. Not, not personally, all, they didn't, you know. No, there's, there's, only, there's only a couple of countries left. There's uh, Iran, and is it North Korea? Or, or, I can't remember. Yeah, only, and there's still, there's still uh, the U.S. is still, and so is Britain, still funding the terrorist organizations are calling freedom fighters against Syria. Yeah. You know, I mean, we've been funding... This is the other thing, too. This is an, an idea of a collective punishment, in a sense. Um, if you look at some, some old religions, there's some heavy, heavy uh, discussions in old religions and theology about collective punishment. Uh, Judaism has it, you know. The, if you're Jewish, regardless of, of, the, of your, your non-participation in, in anything underhand or whatever, you still collectively will, will get punished. This is part of it. It's the same thing if you get Protestants versus Catholics to an extent as well. Even if you've got a radicalized group, a small faction in one or the other doing all the dirty stuff, the whole lot will get punished collectively, you know, in world's eyes. Well, it's the same thing if you're sitting back watching for years and years, munching on, on, your, on your, your chips and so on, and, and um, your crisps, as you say in Britain. 
but uh, and watching this stuff going on, you're paying for all that. Yeah, I, I remember and, the. And, and eventually, it comes back to hit you collectively that the world is going to hit you. Well, it, it, and funding you all, you know. Yeah, well, I mean, we're, we're getting a form of collective punishment now. If somebody, somebody breaks a curfew or something, then the whole the whole city's locked down, kind of thing. Um, sure. So you've got to point the finger at the bad guy for uh, going out to the pub after ten o'clock at night or something. But um, <laughs> the uh, the uh, well, in in Scotland, in Scotland, there are you to report your neighbour if you see too many of them in the garden next door. It's just it's getting bizarre. Well, but the, uh, the God is, if they folk don't stand up against it. Again, collectively. Yeah. It's got to be, and everybody says no. I said, I gave this talk back in 1998. You had to relearn a word that's called no. Mm-hmm. That's all. Don't explain it as to anything, and, and, and you know, just say it no. And that's, that's how they, that's the only way. If enough folk do it, they can't put everybody in prison, you know. Yeah, because well, exactly. I've have, always said the same. What they have planned for the people is, is hell. Yeah. This is not going to stop. I've watched trains go by here, the houses shake. They've never had such heavy. It's, this is full. This is good. So can stuff and so on. Got the the bases further north there for NORAD. That's where they are. This further north of me. Uh, underground bases and they, you're, for the stuff I've I've never seen so many trains in all the time years I've been here. And yeah. every you know, every day maybe twenty, twenty five, sometimes thirty heavy, heavy suckers, miles long, and and it's not going to stores. Believe you me and. What you're looking at here is a quite a few years of massive lockdown. Yeah, well, they've already well, they put reports out saying that this is going to go on uh, until 2024, 25. So there's your, there's your, definitely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if it goes on that long, it's going on definitely. And you see, this is to change the whole structure of existence. Yeah. It isn't, it isn't it's, COVID is just an excuse. Yeah. It's, it's the whole sustainability idea, total lockdown, um, post-democratic societies, that's a big part of it. Uh, and they, they've said at the Club of Rome, the Club of Rome is like the, the massive, the big think tank that, that manages the cultural changes uh, for, for the elites. And they've said it, that the, the whole agenda for sustainability that they couldn't get people to comply with through the climate agreements and so on, uh, cut back on food, cut back on farming, cut back, cut back, cut back, we, we can implement it through the COVID and, and they're, they're they're, they're just overjoyed with uh, what they're doing. And then they've already started it. They, they said that they wouldn't allow businesses to open up any kind of business unless these, these uh, unelected panels in your community uh, see at first what you do. Are you wasting materials? Are you causing carbon? Blah, blah, blah. And, and they're actually not, in, not allowing certain businesses to start up again. Yeah, well, you, you've got that. Well, just out before I go on to that bit, we've got, had a, a report come out, not a report, uh, somebody tweeted something out that they'd seen UN vehicles coming into Cork Harbour uh, yesterday. And there's yep. a bit of speculation about what they're for, but they could they could just innocently be troops coming back from some exercise or whatever. Cork, was it? Yeah. Cork, yeah. Yeah, well, see, Ireland is one of the, the, <laughs> the, big, the biggest suppliers of troops for the United Nations, and, and they go off with their white, uh, white armoured vehicles. They train in Ireland. They're based in Ireland, most of them, and, and they're a big part of it. I know some guys in it, in fact. Yeah, yeah. well, uh, going back to, well, we're talking about Agenda 2030 now, um, Gavin Newsom in California, he said that he's going to get rid of uh, sales of petrol cars in 30, yeah. by 2035. So, I mean, 15 years... 
And, uh, you know, I've said to people here, what, what are you going to do when they come for your cars? And they say, well, they won't do that. Well, there you go. There's California already. And 15 years is not a long time. You know, that's... Uh, no, every, at the, my ma used to say, you know, she she um, she she was kind of up on, on the kind of cultural, at least all the all stuff that was getting pushed out of California or Hollywood. And she says all, all, all social cancers that, that start, uh, they'll start in California and spread out to the rest of the world. Yeah. That's where anything that's avant-garde and progressive all starts starts in California and it gets pushed outwards. And that's so true. I've watched it my whole life, you know. Yeah, well, uh, I guess the Irish government's taken that on board because uh, the national bus company there, Bus Erin, have decided they're not going to supply buses between cities anymore. Uh, yeah. So that, so there's, there's your lockdown going to be implemented yeah. for every city and you won't be able to get out. There'll be roadblocks, as there have been already, in Ireland, yeah. stopping you going from uh, getting out of Dublin or getting into Dublin. Sure. And uh, I think there's talk of them doing the same thing in Cork as well. So who knows what those UN troops are for? Well, maybe maybe they are there for Cork. Who knows? But um, oh, they, oh yeah, they'll they'll let them loose at the right time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and don't, don't forget too that what Kissinger said um, in his talks in California it was the 1970s or 80s, can't remember now. But he said that, uh, that he was giving a talk an audience in California and he said uh, he was talking about the United Nations and the people were all boo-booing and we don't want the United Nations communist organizations he says that if under the right circumstances of, of famine or starvation or the like he says you'll, you'll welcome them in, including Chinese troops if need be that's what he said eh? yeah. you can actually find his speech up there yeah, yeah I put it up years ago but um, yeah I mean <laughs> they, see their reality <laughs> The ones who helped plan all this are completely different from, from the, the people that bought some. And uh, it's like the CIA. The CIA was never there to help Americans, you know. There was, a peop- agenda. There was people in Travalca Square on Saturday saying that when these guys, these police officers came in after, you know, to charge the crowd, said many, many of them looked Eastern European. They didn't appear to be uh, English police officers. So yeah. where they came from is anybody's guess. Like that's, that's uh, going back to Europe. I'll tell you, the same thing happened in New York after 9/11. I know, I know from some people I knew personally there who were in touch with me at the time. One, one, the one woman uh, who was a nurse down there, she had applied for. Um, it was a, it was a uh, you, if you they were afraid of asbestos and so on, so you could put your name in, and you'd get a special vacuum cleaner for your apartment or your house and. And she, she fell for that and went for it. Well, <laughs> she was there one day, and uh, these, this kind of SWAT team came in, but they're all uh, far, far, actually kind of far eastern-looking people. And there's a woman in charge with these black outfits, like something from a sci-fi magazine. And they had the GPS with them and, and into the room the whole thing and told her to stay where she was. And they, they, they did a location thing. They weren't interested. They said they were there <laughs> to check the, the, the vacuum cleaner that she'd got. That's absolute nonsense. Didn't even look at it, but uh, they're all heavily armed, by the way, you know. Yeah. But I heard it from other people too. That I knew at the time that, that they didn't know each other, so they gave me the same stories of the same things happening to them in different parts of New York. You know. they, they said they, they appeared to be Eastern European. I don't know how they ascertained that. Said, but they were they were very young, um, and I mean, if they're very young, they're highly unlikely to be trained riot officers because they tend to be a little bit more experienced. But um, sure. And, and they said they had manic staring eyes and were uh, uh, aggressive right from the start, beating their truncheons yes. in their hands and all this kind of thing to rile up the crowd and all this kind of stuff. 
Oh, yeah, yeah, you've definitely got them. Some of them were caught years ago here when they did the anti-globalist agendas, where they were having the globalist meetings. All the huge student demonstrations at the time in Canada and in the States. And um, I remember in Montreal, I think it was Montreal, that one of the big globalist meetings, where they publicized them, etc. It was just a, the WEF group that went there, too. They managed all. But uh, I remember uh, you had the same kind of characters uh, that would turn up at these meetings with the, the masks on. Folk thought they were Antifa, you know. This is years ago. And uh, dressed exactly the same way. But these were the only ones who threw uh, gasoline bombs uh, at uh, the cop cars. And they, they did it in Montreal. Well, they caught four of them. And some, <laughs> some of them uh, saw the photographs in the papers and had combat books on, these guys. So looked into it for sure enough. And, and they were a member. They were members of one, a, a very secretive unit for the police in Montreal. They were doing the actual firebombing. Yeah, I remember the pictures they showed you the soles of the boots and they're all exactly the same. That's right. The same treads. That, that was a clue that, that for folk to investigate further. But you definitely have um, a, a, a supra, I don't want to call it a supra force already established uh, to, to deal with uh, international um, terrorism, including if the public themselves are declared the terrorists, the general public. It's already out there. Well, They're trained in all the rest of it. You know? Well, we are, we are going to be declared terrorists if we don't take a vaccine. Well, yeah, absolutely. If you don't do what you're told with not just the vaccines, a whole slew of things they want you to obey. Yeah. And, uh, and it's not going to stop. This is a whole new way of living, and it's going to be getting ordered every day of, as to what to do and what not to do. And that's what, this is the authoritarian system. Yeah. It's well, post-democratic. Yeah. I mean, a lot of... Uh, so-called so protests in the, in the past did come from students and yeah. in, in Scotland now you've got this Nicola Sturgeon uh, this real <laughs> uh, maniac uh, leading the country and locking students up in their dorms and, and then yeah. she's kind of backtracked a little bit because uh, there was big pictures put out of this. these student accommodation places to put them in now look like prisons anyway from the outside and they all had signs in the window saying, help me, mum, and all this kind of thing, and, and let me out, blah, blah, blah. Um, but what does it take for students nowadays to actually get out in the street and say, we've had enough, and we don't like the way this is going? A shot of testosterone, I think, you know. <laughs> and that's just because, for the girls. <laughs> well, well here's, here's the thing, uh, you know, I can say, I can joke about it, but but the people are way high now in, in estrogen, you know, male, males too. Yeah. And um, way higher than they used to be. And uh, again, constant studies, they keep rep- giving the same reports and updating them every year or so. And it and ties in with the male infertility, you know. Uh, interesting, I, I don't know if you noticed, uh, when the COVID thing came out, and, and, uh, and uh, yeah, there was a massive, massive campaign to terrify the West, no doubt about it with complicity of China, and that's what I said at the time, I said, are they all in it together, China and the US, all working together to terrify their own people? And I I really think it is that way. But anyway, they did give the reports out with the the initial COVID-19 idea, and uh, they said that it affected the testes of men, and, uh, and could actually cause permanent damage, you know? I thought, well, what coincidence <laughs> if this virus can actually do a bit, of more, a bit more infertility uh, advancement for the, for the elite uh, and add to the rest of the problems we've got. 
because you've already got a, a lowered sperm count. And what's left in the West is, uh, has very low motility. It's half, mm. Most of them are half dead, the ones that are still moving the sperm into the zone, you know. So, um, well, then, going back to what you were talking earlier about uh, men wearing spandex and things, it's, I mean, it's been very, very obvious over the last, at least a decade anyway, that young, young men, uh, school-age men, college, whatever, are very effeminate. A lot of them, yep. uh, and act effeminately. They hang about with with girls, but not in the way like we would have done fifty years ago. Yes. You know, um, they're hanging about with girls as if they're the same as them. Yes. You know, they're, yep. they're, they're all, they've all got the same interests. They all they all watch the same uh, celebrities. They all follow all that junk. Uh, they, they don't. There's there's no distinction between male and female in terms of well, attitudes or anything. Again, I get the yeah. talks back in the 90s. On Androgyny. It was a, that was part of the reason for you to not just look alike, you'd behave the same ways and so on. And again, through the school system, where, where they, uh, with a massive campaign uh, to, to stop what they call bullying, right? But it wasn't just bullying. Uh, uh, any, any young guy that sits on his rear end for a few hours in a classroom at the age of six or seven, is going to be tapping his feet or something because young guys normally climb trees, you know, and do things like that. You've got this energy, that's what you do. Well, they want men, the males to conform like the females. Huge, huge, you know, huge studies were done on how to make the guys comply. Well, they came out with all the different uh, uh, new, new uh, fabricated diseases of ADHD and so on. And... Um, and hyperactivity, and for hyperactivity, they give them amphetamine. So if the, if the child wasn't hyperactive before, well, he's better now, he's on speed. I've watched this, everybody's been shaking their heads watching And of course, what does it do too? It literally shrinks the brain as it's developing. These guys never mature properly. Their IQ drops. But this is, this is the studies that prove it, isn't it, my opinion here. And, um, can you believe that, that the whole generation, really, uh, actually, was going to the second generation uh, of male leaders were completely nullified when teachers just got just got fed up with someone asking questions and yeah. got to see a doctor and get prescribed, you know, to put more on drugs. I, I got in a lot of trouble. That's your, leader, that's your leadership <laughs> the yeah. generation out the window. Yeah. I, I got in trouble for asking questions at school. Uh, a long time, a long time ago, and I guess that was that, that put me off school for a long time until I went back to college and then university, and uh, asked a lot of questions there, and they didn't like it either. So uh, nothing yes. had changed really. Um, but yeah, I mean, students, I don't know. It's, it's uh, you've as, as a war. It, so you, you've, you've been living in a war your whole life long. Most folk don't realise it. They think all these things are unrelated. No, these are all parts of the war. Yeah. But as you mentioned before, the, all these uh, nonsense degrees that they bring out now, you know, flower arranging and, and just ridiculous beauticians yeah, really coming out. Yeah, yeah, whatever. I mean, <laughs> and, and people actually, the parents of these children must think, oh, well, there'll be a job in that. Yeah, well, really? What job? I know. It's uh, crazy. And they, they don't know anything. You, you try and talk to some of these, these children and uh, you're talking to a wall. I mean, there's, there's nothing coming back at you, you know, yes. uh, in the way of any intelligent conversation. And for the most part, I mean, there are exceptions, of course. They did the studies, too. Lots of them can't even look another human being in the eye. 
Yeah. You see, they don't. They're not used to. They've been raised just to texting people and so on, and, and they're not used to actually talking and conversing in real life with people. You know. They're trying to tell them now that uh, looking somebody in the eyes an aggressive. Uh, Posture. Uh, this is straight off the manuals of, of ancient China and Britain, by the way, <laughs> mm. because uh, uh, nobility is never allowed, uh, royalty is never allowed the, the peasantry to look uh, the people that their betters in the eye. That was that was a big, you could really you could get chained and whipped for that, you know. I think that still goes on. Britain and... was the same. Queen Elizabeth the first had a lot of them done done that way for because looked her in the face. So did Hillary Clinton. You know that too, eh? Yeah, I think I think it's the same in. Um... Today in Buckingham, in Buckingham Palace, I think they've got to uh, walk past with their head bowed, and they're not allowed to walk with certain absolutely. certain sides of the corridor and all this kind of thing. It's subservience, you see. It's, it, it's just politeness. It's subservience. Yeah, and it's getting it's getting that way with the politicians as well. You, they're, they're all adopted this um, uh, what's his name Mussolini type posture uh, with the, the raised chin and the looking down the nose at you. Um, so you, can, you can't even look them in the eye because they're looking down at you. They're, kind of, they're, they're not looking at you. They're looking over your and, head. And again, too, he, he is, it's interesting, that whole phenomenon, because when you look at some, how the communists, you know, they're the communists, were quick off the mark and adopting the Germanic filmography uh, techniques for propaganda purposes. And a lot, a lot of old silent ones on, on the hero type, the, the new Soviet hero one. Uh, but you see the techniques that were used, and the hero, a little guy, would start off in his little peasant village, and as the time went on, it became that the hero and kept factories going single-handed and stuff like that. Um, the camera shots took him from below to look like a giant, you see, and, then, and and so they made the screen bigger, and then the same thing happened with Germany with with uh, Lenny Riefenstahl, you know, she did mm -hmm. the, the, the triumph of the will was it called that movie. And she was techniques to, and she made everybody look like giants, you know, with, with the shots that she took and the angles. And this is no mistake what you're talking about now. Almost everybody out there's got ma these massive giant screens, and it's yeah. all catering to them to make these folk look superhuman. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's uh, that uh, I can't remember the name of the movie, but Inglorious Bastards or something it was called, oh, yeah. and it was it was about the war. And that um, Wiesenthal was mentioned in that. Uh, the, yeah. the lady in that owned a cinema and she was having this Wiesenthal season and yeah. exactly as you said there they got this young soldier guy and he was a great uh, marksman and they made him into this uh, great sniper he, he, he'd murdered 50, 60 uh, of the enemy blah 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 and all the camera angles were like that they were looking up to him and he was up in the clock tower and he was a big hero uh, all exactly the same way as the, the movies were done in the 40s Oh, yeah. Exactly the same way. Mm -hmm. And uh, they're doing the same with the politicians, of course. Exactly yeah, the same, same. Yeah, they uh, techniques. Big screens, high definition, and then mm -hmm. they seem larger than life, and, and including the, the, the celebrities that we stuck on, you know. Mm -hmm. they, they actually get, get embarrassed when they see them in real life. It's been, for me, pretty short, or, or maybe even a bit pudgy, you know. And things like that, but, uh, but the, the TV screens make them look like they're giants and superhuman, and that's intentional too. Then you follow the stars, you know, that's where they make them stars, yeah. and, and uh, the, the nobodies follow the stars because they haven't found out that they're somebody themselves yet. Uh, that's what they do. Yeah, well, again, go back to the students, I mean, they, that's that's all they've been brought up with. They've been brought up with this whole uh, culture of celebrity yeah. their whole lives, and they Absolutely. don't. Don't and see also, any too, here's another big thing too. I remember talking to people 
<clears throat> years ago, and um, uh, they were teaching the universities. Uh, it, was, it was a discussion about um, the future for the youngsters of the West. And uh, as, it, as it turned out, more and more ridiculous degrees, the competition r rises all the time. Because with the amalgamation, which, which again goes back to the 1930s for the CFR group, for um, the amalgamation of the third world countries into the, into the first world countries, uh, they, they knew that the, the, this is so interesting, really. The families that would succeed, you said, in the 1930s, this is your own elite, you know, talking here, the ones that manipulate and manage things. They said that the families from countries like India and China, uh, they'd still have intact family units. But the ones in the West would be degraded as, as they progress towards a different system. Well, naturally, they actually said that the children would be far more successful for the ones in the family units from China and India uh, than the ones in the West, as the, as the ones in the West became more freer. <laughs> and, and sure enough, you, you look at the, the, the students from China in the West, and the ones that come over from, from, from India, their children, are, they'll study and study like crazy compared to the West. And that they have decent homes where, where there's not screaming and argument or whatever, all the problems there are drugs. And, and so they, they are getting used at the moment for the, the middle class uh, bureaucracies that are running over us, actually. Yeah, uh, it's funny you, you mentioned that. all that time ago. It's just astonishing to, to, to sit and watch it for your whole life long. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you mentioned uh, Indian people. Uh, and it is amazing because uh, every everyone you meet from what I call a middle class family, if you like, um, they are a very cohesive family unit. And they're all like doctors and lawyers and they're, they're all right. very well qualified people. Um, because they have that kind of, uh, I don't know, I don't want to call it strict. It's so important that the war on the family was done on the West. Mm -hmm. It's still on the go, it's left of it, but I mean, it's pretty well demolished the family. If you have parents and the parents can get on in some kind of order, right? There's uh, an order at home, so it's not screaming, hollering on drugs and all the rest of it, or alcoholism. Uh, or, or, or affairs all over the place. If you have a, a stable family at home of order, the child grows up with, with a, a greater ability to be a good achiever. You know, yeah. and, and you, you can't do it. You can't study at home when there's chaos. You know? No, and, and they tend to stay at home longer, uh, willingly, um, because of the, because of the environment. Uh, well, here's the thing too. I mean, I mean, both China and India, especially, I'd say, uh, they put up more for their children, you know, um, they, they, they'll sacrifice more for their children financially. Uh, the West was through, went through so much deprivations for world, even before the World Wars, you know, the World War, World War I, Great Depression, and the World War II, rationing even after World War II, etc. You, you, you had broken families all over the place. It, it, wars caused incredible shock to the system. Of everybody growing up in it, you know, and and then then you hit it with deliberate plans to destroy the family unit, and bingo, you're, you're going down the tubes as other ones replace you and take over with with stable families. But in Britain, the biggest uh, thing that I heard in Britain uh, from parents all over the place, and friends I knew as well, uh, the, the parents wanted them out of the home as soon as they get them out of the home. You know? mm. 
they didn't they did not have the financial backing to, to, to even have the children back then children well, was because you were living in pretty well poverty after you know yeah. years of wars and and and, and great depressions you know? yeah yeah well, of course there's uh if you talk about China and uh, the villages, the Indian villages, all the, the children there are, are, are and you know, there's <laughs> there's valuable to the family as as a working yeah. unit, as, yeah. you know, as a working unit. And, and that's, that's what the, the, here's the thing though that the ones who wanted you all destroy understand all this. Mm-hmm. It was a purposeful thing to destroy the West. Nothing happened by us. Always under the guise of freedom. <laughs> <laughs> it was a complete war spelled out by at least it, the very least you get the communist signs of it spelling it all out, and um, it's a deliberate war use, using Gramsci said use, you'll use culture, entertainment, everything you do all, and they did it, and then they signed all these agreements to take all your work away from you, so you've got an even higher concentration of youngsters with degrees and no work to go and, and use them. And I can remember when we were training Chinese in the West in, in colleges, and universities as engineers uh, and sending them back to China for, and they had no factories to go back to at the time because it was in the wind that we were going to finance it and ship our factories to them. Everything's planned this way on such a massive scale. It, it's not happenstance. You know? No. It makes you wonder what's going to be left in the, in the West uh, in the next they, 10, they want 15 years. Polish, right down. Yeah. 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 Uh, I mean, there's got, there's got to come a point where people do de- Generally disgruntled because they'll have nothing left to lose uh, once they've lost everything, um, right. including their family and their, their home and all the rest yeah, of it. It's just another word for nothing left to lose. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, they've just uh, announced, I think they're going to do away with this mortgage or rent moratorium, or, and they've extended it in some places. But, um, you know, you've got landlords saying, hold on a minute, I, I you know, pensioners. I worked all my life to buy those two apartments, uh, so I would have an income when I was older. And now you're now you're telling me that uh, nobody has to pay me any rent anymore for those, and it's going both ways. And the people who did get money uh, to pay the rent just chose not to pay it, and yet and yet they're allowed to do as, as they please. Uh, and the poor guy who's paid for the apartment uh, gets nothing, and that's that's his livelihood gone, and uh, he probably will lose his own house uh, paying the rent on the other ones, or the mortgage. Um, and the same goes for, for, for see the world they want to bring in is uh, is, uh, is is prearranged. Evidence happening is prearranged. Is is uh, massive companies. Maybe only maybe five companies. Just like the agri food businesses, you've got five five big agri food businesses that run the world's food supply. Same thing with, with uh, apartments and rentals. You have about the same thing they want to raise up that are already here. You know, quietly some, sometimes, but. But they're here, and they'll own all rentals across the world. This was an, it's an old idea, going way, way back, you know, 100 years. And, uh, and that's what they're going to do for the smaller ones. And I'm, I'm, there's, there's people with a few houses who think they're, they're still landlords, but they're going to get done away with, you know. Yeah. It's big corporations that are going to own, you know, streets and streets and streets of them throughout the cities, like they do in New York in some places. Well, I saw it in, in Bulgaria, where the, the old factories had been basically abandoned when the, the Soviets left. And they have the, the blocks built there specifically for the workers. And uh, yeah. basically, basically the, the government owned them. Uh, if they didn't uh, do, the, do as they were told in their work, uh, then they'd lose everything. They'd lose their, their work, their, their money, their, their accommodation, everything, and they'd be on the street. Sure. And uh, maybe we're going back that way. I'm sure we will, actually. 
Mm. I, I think it's even worse than that. Uh, what's arranged here? I mean, you, I, I don't know if you've ever seen troops going into action. I've actually seen them going into action. No, no. I've never been so unfortunate. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because there's a... a, a uh, it's a character change comes over them, you know, and, and uh, commanders, you know, um, as they're going into it. And it, it's, it, that term resolute, a resolute uh, gr grasp of things, very resolute, it, it means more than the, the word, that it's, it's so easy to say it, but it's a tangible thing, you know. And it's when this is it, you know. Uh, it's an, this is it moment. And, and that's, it's all or nothing, you know. And by the way, there'll be no Geneva Convention when these kind of things take off. That's how it really happens. But um, what you're seeing today um, is a look that they have from the superior, the higher commanders. You know, it's an all or nothing look. It's a hard thing to explain. But you're seeing it now. You're talking about the politicians in Australia, etc., actually coming out and saying this. We've got to be more authoritarian now. You're seeing that same look. It does not bode well for the general population. And I think uh, what they've got in mind here to completely eradicate, uh, and again, getting back to year zero afterwards, uh, I think you're going to see starvation uh, going over a few years here as they bring us down and down and down until the whoever's left will beg them to bring in the, the <laughs> That's the plan that they've had on the shelves for years, you know. Well, the United Nations. <laughs> They've been begging for the United Nations on the street. Yes. And um, it's uh, it's funny that people here say, well, well we've, we've still got our guns, we've still got this and that. I says, well, when you don't have any food, you'll quite quickly hand your guns over. That's right. And, oh, no, we'll never do that, we'll never do that. Say, well, well, you can't eat them. <laughs> you can't eat them, exactly. If you ever go into a place where there's starvation happening, you know, um, in different parts of Africa and a long, long time ago, you get it in Bangladesh and different places, you know. Um, but it's nothing like you'd think it was going to be. Uh, you don't see fanfares, you see lots of trucks coming back and forth. You, know. you, you see a quietness and you, walk, you go into villages and there's folk in the streets dying, you know. And it's, it's, it's the silence that gets you. Uh, it, it's, not, um, it's not noisy. It's not folks screaming. They're past the stage of asking for help or expecting it, you know. And I can see it happening here. And yet you can sit there with your rifles and all the rest of it as you're starving to death. You're way too late by then to use them. Well, yeah, unless you're going to uh, shoot something to eat. That's, that's about all you can do. Um, but, uh, and I can see that. I can see that as part of the plan eventually to make us buckle under until any memory of how it used to be is utterly eradicated. That that's yep. the intention here, brute force eradication of memories of a different time. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, uh, as, you, as you know, uh, I'm, I'm trying to grow what I can grow, but uh, it's very difficult to grow anything in any yeah. kind of general bulk here. I mean, you're only talking, you know, salad, vegetables and beans and things like that. Uh, you, can't, you can't grow enough to live on. I mean, it's, it's you know, you grow what you can this summer or spring or whatever. But um, you can't you can't grow meat. <laughs> you can't you can't uh, grow all the essentials you need, and certainly not water. I mean, if they, they cut the water supply off, you're screwed. I mean, it's that's it. Two what, two days without water, three days uh, in Florida summer, maybe one day. Um, 
And uh, you, as you say, you could you could see them going around in a truck with water bottles on the back, saying, "Okay, we know you've got a gun. Um, you just hand that over, and we'll give you a case of water today." Um, and that's that's the way it'll go. They did that in New Orleans when they had the, 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 the when, when the booms went, you know, and the yeah. water flooded in. They, they, the trucks were around the houses. The soldiers were around the houses to evacuate people in some of the areas, and some of the better areas too. And uh, they weren't allowed to take anything with them. And when they come back, of course, all their guns were gone. They even took the animals uh, and, and brought them into big uh, halls, like town halls and so on, and machine gunned them. I don't know if people realise that, as we did with the, the pets, eh? Yeah. But, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, you've you got to start maturing very quickly here when you see what's going on here. Well, it, it, it's... It's very, very quickly. Yeah, I mean, I mean, going back to the students, uh, not you know, older people would have relied on, on their children uh, to defend them in times of... Yeah. You know, the time to strife. But the, the generation now that's coming up, the 18, 20 year olds, they're not going to defend anybody because they're, they're incapable, basically. Yes, and they're disconnected. They're, the bonding is they're completely disconnected. They've been trained from school. And just like the old technique where they were quite blatant in the 60s and 70s, don't trust anybody over 30, then they kept reducing the age until you, the children could only, only relate to, to teachers around 20 years old, you know. And then you can indoctrinate the children much easier with them. Uh, uh, Everything's worked out scientifically here, but uh, the the general public um, have been broken. You've been broken with your your bonding to each other. The the internet society has helped destroy it as well. You've got got lots of of, uh, people out there in the chat rooms and stuff, but you've never met anybody in real life, you know? Uh, You know who's real and who isn't real. Uh, and you tend to neglect the folk who are around you as irrelevant. It's quite, it's quite amazing yeah. to, to study it and watch it. Well, now, now the, uh, yeah, now, now the students, school children are being taught that they can't even speak to each other anymore. They, they've yes. been segregated even down to that level, even down to kindergarten. Yeah, they're not even allowed. And, and that generation. And the thing too, with so many families that, that are single parent families, um, it's gone for such a long time, and the guy's absent, you know. And even if the guys are around, they're generally quiet because <laughs> they've been trained in school that the whole world's uh, fault is uh, problems is theirs. You know, they're, they're just a, uh, another generation of men that's caused all these problems. That's how they're trained to shut up in school and come to consensus with the group in, in the school, consensus, uh, consensus groups, and so on. And and uh, they've been trained, literally, that women are the leaders. You, you'll see that everywhere you look. And, and look at all the riots across the states. You know? And mayors coming out and telling everybody to stand down and let that happen. And the guys are all shutting their faces and saying nothing here. I mean, it's because they've been trained not to say anything. They've been trained that they are irrelevant, by the way. And then you add into it the, the, the hyper um, estrogen that, that's in their system. And the, the the lower sperm count, as things start to fall into place, big time. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, even even bringing it down to the most the most basic uh, survival, if you like, even if they had food, uh, most youngsters these days wouldn't know what to do with it. I know they wouldn't know how to cook. It's, uh, it's I just... I knew somebody, <laughs> I knew somebody from the states, and and who who, who did well for herself, you know, and. She, she said to me, um, quite proudly, she says, I, I've never cooked my life, she says. I was proud, you know, very proud. Meaning you, you don't have to, you see. Uh, 
uh, a, a society that was doing okay in certain cities and certain areas and, and classes, the, the end thing was to always eat out. If you had to cook for yourself, you were obviously following ranks in the, in the class structure. But she <laughs> probably boasted to me that, that, that she could make a, a grilled cheese sandwich, you know. And I thought, well, I think that's what it's come down to today. They can't even feed themselves if they had to, you know. Yeah, there was a little video put up there uh, and there was two teenagers or two teenage boys or teenage, I don't know, maybe, no, late teens. And um, they, they were given a, a, a dial-up telephone, an old dial-up telephone, and asked asked if they could make a phone call. Yeah. And it took them about half an hour to work it out and they, st- and they had to be told at the end how to, how to make it work. And and the same goes with uh, with cooking. I think I think it's there's there's no basic uh, knowledge instilled in them because as you say, I mean, they might be single parent families, they might be you know whatever. But um, in in America, for sure, a yeah. lot of people eat out all the time, all the time. Astonishing, really. And I, I can't I can't understand how all these places survive. But then you look and think, well, they've all got people in them, so mm-hmm. you know that, that that's uh, maybe that's. They, they don't realise that, that you're, you've been trained to be helpless in an emergency. What oh, yeah. do you do? You know, if if that's if that, and look at them now with, with all these restaurants folding, eh? Deliberately and, getting put under. Whoa. And it's not it's not just uh, it's not just the mom and pops that are going under either. A lot of these uh, the, the Dunkin' Donuts, uh, McDonald's, Burger King—they're all closing hundreds of stores. Yeah, all yeah. over the country. It's it's not just uh, the small ones, but of course that's just consolidation, isn't it? Um, yes, yes. And uh, sharing it out amongst themselves, the, the big chains, I guess. Mm-hmm. And uh, it'll only be them left. But um, I, I guess when it's only them left, they could put up the prices again, <laughs> just make it even harder to eat out, uh, well, if that's all you've got. See, they don't, they don't plan on going back to a consumer society. No. We have a variety of choices to, and buying things and so on. Uh, that, that, so they're, they're actually fulfilling it with using COVID as an excuse, you see. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so this is the post-consumer society. And, of course, the new industrial revolution it, it is not replacing it with anything to help you. Uh, well, it's, it's not replacing it with industry. It's not replacing it with industry, so uh, I, I don't know why it's even called a, uh, an industrial revolution, because I guess it's a, a revolution to destroy industry, I guess. Put it that way. Yes, and, and also to fool people, you know. Yeah. Because everybody's waiting, oh, they're going to replace it with something. No, no, this is the complete ultimate. The, the, the Club of Rome, years ago, you know, and um, their publications, from the very beginning, actually, uh, have said that democracy does not work. Mm-hmm. Now, they work on behalf of the elite that run the WEF, you know, and they said that um, they have to bring in a system of, of authoritarianism to get things done. And that the old system is gone. The old, the old system of work is gone. Um, commerce is gone. You know. And uh, did you place it with a, a new system of emergency powers, basically? That's what they're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> and you're in it now. I was going to say they published their books starting off about 1970s onwards, yeah. reiterating the same thing. You know. Well, I left school in 1979, and we were told then that. Uh, Look forward to the future because you'll have lots of leisure time, the paperless society, right. blah, 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 all this stuff. <laughs> uh, what they didn't mention is you'd have leisure because you wouldn't have a job and you'd be starving. <laughs> but uh, we're, we're going to have plenty of leisure time. It's just that you'll, uh, you won't be able to have any leisure. 
because you'll be constantly struggling to survive. They, they, they missed that bit out. Yeah. And, uh, and that's yeah. what it is. And, but as I say, a com- the, the West has been under attack, a, a deliberate planned, uh, with a massive bureaucracy working it like, like a battle plan at the at higher levels. There's no doubt about it. And, uh, and, and what's happening now is, is what they said, that the people would not go along with the, the climate agreement. It's too, it would take too long. And so we need to get a more stricter measure to bring it. Well, COVID came along, that's it. That's yeah. the invention for it. Yeah. It seems that uh, the, we mentioned this the last time we spoke, it seems to be the old British colonies that are getting, bearing the brunt of this at the moment. Uh, do you think? Isn't that interesting? Yeah. Yeah. Do you think? Do you think some of these uh, the Eastern European countries? I think we touched on this before last time as well. But uh, I don't know if you know. In, in Bulgaria, for the last I saw this report the other day that for seventy days, anyway, they've been on the streets and, and tens of thousands of people uh, have been turning up every every demonstration, uh, calling for the resignation of the the prime minister or the president, whatever he's called. And uh, as far as I was, I, I mean. I met that guy once when he opened a bridge up near where I was living and dug the first sod and all that kind of thing. And he was a, an ex-mafia uh, gangster's bodyguard. So that's the calibre of the, the heads there. But um, they wanted him out because he'd, he'd sold, he'd, they reckoned he'd, he'd, he'd sold them out to the to the mafia, basically. Uh, I'm not sure which mafia they were talking about, whether it was the European Union or just uh, the elites or whatever. But, well, um, the CIA runs the mafia over there. Yeah, they do, and and, uh, and again, the money that, that flows from the EU to, to make the roads and so on never gets there. It's always put in the papers. They're going to build this road and so many millions. It all disappears very, very quickly into these these organisations that are, are the same organisations that they're using, and um, even Biden's <laughs> sons involved in, in other parts of the area, uh, the, the, the Europe. Well, um, no, it's no, yeah, as you know, I was I was there when they were building the bridge over the Danube, and I worked on that. And uh, the Bulgarian workers were getting paid half the amount of money that was under contracts. Um, the, the rest of it went in the back pocket of the company, that's uh, FCC, Spanish company, which runs um, recycling. And I've noticed that even over here. And I'm beginning to wonder if that's what they built the bridge with, recycled stuff, because it's fallen apart already. It's only been there 10 years. It probably is, yeah. Yeah, and... Um, yeah, that that was that was going on back then, and it was it was pretty obvious it was all corrupt. And again, like you said, it was it was hundreds of millions of euros spent on this thing. Yes. Um, and, and where it went, I don't know. I because, have no uh, idea. It is massive. The EU again is a front where the, the Commission at the top is pretty secretive. Most folks don't even know who's in it. You don't get to yeah. vote them in, you know. And uh, there's the, the fake ones down below. There are the politicians that can't even pass laws. You know. Yeah, I think they get ten minutes a year to talk, something like that. Yeah, and, yeah. and that's right. Ten, ten minutes. You know. uh, well, well paid for ten minutes, absolutely. Yeah. But uh, but it's a complete farce. It's a front, and even a lot of the Soviet dissidents talked about it. Says that this is the real Soviet system. It's beyond what the old Soviet system used to be. Totally corrupt at the top. With a different agenda than the people will ever fathom out at all. Everything yeah. we live in today is over us, is, is there for a different reason. And it's part of a massive, it's like the big octopus idea of a spider's web, all connected across the world. And when you look at Ukraine, for instance, as I say, with the farces going on there, when you, when you, when you hear the people talking, involved in the areas there, uh, they, they all blame America and the CIA. That's what it's Bulgaria. So there's Bulgaria. Yeah. 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 That's, what they're, that's what they're told to believe. 
But, um, and, and it's interesting too, um, getting back to, to Norman Dodd, you know, and the Rees Commission and all, all the rest of it, uh, in the 1950s, uh, they talked about the, 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 these non-governmental organizations. They're massive armies, really, with the leaders who, who live on, with pensions, you know, full, like life pensions. These, these aren't little charitables. These are massive armies that can be mobilized at any time across the whole planet. And the CIA's got his fingers and everything. And that's what they, they put the, the, you know, Dawes and the rest and wondered about. What is the CIA? You know, it's never been explained yet. But, but, it's, but it's part of the, the MI6, it's CIA, it's Mossad, it's a few other ones too, all combined. It's one massive system that really works on behalf of this, this real global elite at the top to plan the future. Yeah. And they use every country in turn to help push his agenda, and then they collapse it behind them. They yeah. collapsed Britain long ago, now they're going to collapse America. Yeah. Do, do you think these uh, Eastern European type uh, countries who, who still who still remember living under tyranny before, and yeah. uh, and a lot of them are on the streets now. I mean, the elderly people as well who you know, were were repressed under Stalin, um, getting rolled out in wheelchairs and all sorts of things to protest. I mean, do you think those I mean, those countries still uh, instill that knowledge onto their children, and their children are probably a lot more politically aware than people in the West generally. Yeah. Um, they don't. They don't buy the newspapers. They know. They know the newspapers are all propaganda. You know the the, the villages don't even sell newspapers. That's that's yeah. how much they disrespect them. Sure. Um, but do you think they? I mean, it, it used to be. I think believed that America could be the big stumbling block. You know, because of the the weapons, etc. But um, I can't see that happening. As as we've just spoken about, you could take the guns off people very easily using food and water. But um. Do you think the countries where their, their populations do get out in large numbers who aren't armed, is is yeah. that is that going to possibly be the like in Europe, in Eastern Europe particularly, where they can actually remember history? They're they're going to be the ones to stand up. They have the potential to do it absolutely. The potential is there, and they still have, have a although they're getting hammered too. They still have more intact family units, you know. Uh, not all together, but they're getting attacked as well. As the same cultural changes are forced upon them, by the way. But you'll notice that Putin, over the last few years, has been kicking out all the different NGOs that have been doing the same old stuff as the color revolution types and the pussy riots and going to churches and, and destroying churches. When you see the same MOs, by the way, it was the same MO they were using for the ISIS fronts across the Middle East. Um, the churches were getting absolutely massacred and destroyed. Churches that were gone way back to about 100 BC, AD, you know, and uh, totally destroyed uh, with utter hatred, utter hatred planned, and and taxpayers' money from Britain and the states funded all that stuff, you know, to happen. Well, you're seeing the same thing across Europe. You're looking at this strange conglomerate at the top, to say, of, of special uh, secretive um, agencies and so on. Uh, funding and managing all this kind of stuff. But Putin saw it all and he says, no way, and, and he kicked him out as enemies of the state and that's where they should be declared here at home as well. Mm -hmm. yeah. Well, it was, it was, it's not just uh, Christianity being attacked. They recently announced they were going to make the Hagia Sophia in, in Istanbul yeah. into a museum. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I can't understand why there's not been more protest against that even. Yes, 
it's it's incredible. I've, I've been there, and uh, you yeah. can't you can't see that in any other context than being a place of worship. That's right. You, you know, you're not going to go in there and say, "Oh, it's a nice museum." You know, it's it's uh, it's uh, a huge part of the culture there, and I just, sure I just don't understand why they've allowed that to happen. I think was it was it Putin or it's one of the other maybe it was, uh, one of the Middle Eastern countries said uh, that they couldn't believe that that was that was being allowed to go ahead. I can't remember That's who right. it was, but um, yeah, it's again, again talking about religion, the, the students, young people that they have no ties to religion anymore. No. Particularly, I'd say particularly UK, maybe maybe more so in, in the states. Uh, in the more rural areas, but uh, certainly not in the UK. Um, I think you'd be hard pressed. People should remember, uh, whether they like it or not, you know, it's nothing to do with liking something. The elite of the show that you're seeing today uh, at the top, they run it, the ones who manage it, their long term strategy, you know, uh, because this is a very old war, you know, um, their biggest enemy for centuries was religion, especially Christianity. That was their biggest enemy. You know. All the planks, even in communism, that they had to follow, the destruction of the family unit and so on, man and wife, it was held together by the religious social sphere, you see. Uh, and that's why it's always been first to get knocked off. Once you knock that out of the way, everything's easier to, to demolish underneath it. Well, um, it opens the door for all the, all the evils to come in, I guess. It's a big idea. This is a term. This is their terminology, a big idea. And uh, Bush uh, Sr. used this in his New World Order speech, remember? You can mm-hmm. look it up online. Yeah. I see a New World Order coming into view. And he says it's a big idea. You know? Bush Jr., 10 years later, said exactly almost the same speech, New World Order. And same date, by the way. You know? And um, uh, you're looking at part of uh, the esoteric... Uh, dictation that they put out for their own members across the world. No reporter even picked it up and says, what do they mean uh, by a new world order? You know, what new, what's he talking about, a new world order? Who's, who's new world order? What, what new big idea? Matsi Tung. Because these are all parts of the same revolutionary parties that do the left-hand path, right-hand path. They work together, dialectic, you see. And Matsi Tung said he wasn't afraid of anything. Um, he says all, all power comes from the barrel of a gun but was, when he was asked if anything that made him afraid he says he's only afraid of a big idea mm. well, see his enemy could have a big idea too and because the one thing that united folk and culture was religion yep. and once you have that behind you you're unstoppable yeah well, I got uh that's uh, that was pretty obvious back in Jerusalem um, when the Muslims, Christians, everybody lived together uh, side by side, no problem at all, until the the uh, establishment decided that they wanted to start causing trouble amongst them. Uh, they, they couldn't. Uh, I mean, the worst thing that could possibly happen to the elites, I guess, is if uh, all the religions in the world turned around and said, "Right, enough of this. We're all going to get together." And we... here's the key, Neil. People can argue politics until the cows come home, if they even have cows in the future. You know, they're <laughs> yeah. but, but but the thing is, and they can argue all kinds of facts and factoids and theories and so on. But if everyone has a has a feeling of something bigger than themselves. That's a power, you see. Way above arguments, you know. And folk will go to the to the end 
uh, for that particular uh, backing of something bigger than themselves. Yeah, That's we the idea. Yeah, we, we touched on good and evil the last time, and, and whether you're religious or not, you, you should all know the difference between good and evil. Yeah. And uh, evil, I, I think we mentioned, it's like it, it's an entity, if you like. Yes. Um, yes and physically manifests itself in people and you can see it in the, the way they look, the way they uh, the, the look in the eye, that psychopathic kind of uh, thing. And um, Have you we, seen the meltdowns of the put up there somewhere in the woman when when Ginsburg died there? Yeah. No, I've, I've seen some of that, but it's just it's madness. It's almost, it's almost like North Korea. They even showed you some meltdowns when Trump got in the first time, you know. Yeah, well, it was the same with Obama. That that's not normal. I mean, that's no. not normal behaviour. No, yeah, well, it's, if, uh, it's beyond rational. Yeah, yeah pe people see that uh, happening in North Korea when one of the leaders dies or something, and they're all standing there weeping, and they think, "That's look at that. They've just made them do that." You know, it's it's all that's all fake. You know, but well, maybe it's not. Maybe it's not. Yes. Maybe they're just uh, totally insane. Yeah. You know. But um, yeah, if, if people have an actual an actual belief in something bigger than themselves, that that's the one thing that tyrants are terrified of. Mm -hmm. That's the one thing. It can overwhelm all common sense. See, see people will use this idea of common, well, they've got all the guns, they've got all this power over us. They can, uh, but but if, if folk have something to live for, here's the key, is to live for, uh, that's bigger than just themselves, and nothing's going to stop them if they, if they get on the march. You know? Yeah. It, it, I mean, it's, it's like the even the one guy in Tiananmen Square who stood in front of the tank. Yes. Um, and and dared him to run him over. And the guy in the tank, I'm sure, uh, was as brainwashed as the rest of the military. But he must have he must have got something in his ear, uh, telling him you yes. better not do this, <laughs> or 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 they're going to be all over your tank and you're going to be dragged out in the street. Um, and that's what it takes. It takes people to stand up and, as you say, keep saying no, no, no all the time um, to anything and don't justify it. They, they don't get it here. They've been played as suckers since this thing started. You see. Or just a few weeks, or just a few months, just or a few more months, and, and this is to go on for years, by the way, you know, and and uh, and you're going to, you can't keep saying, oh, maybe they'll back off and be kinder down the road. No, 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 don't stop, don't go. You're, you're getting, they lied from the beginning. They're going to lie right through it, and it's going to get more and more evil, and evidently evil as time goes on, until you're too weak to do anything about it. Yeah, well, they, they'll back off a little bit if uh, enough people start protesting, and then they'll come back later on and just push again and push again. Yes, because well. people people tend to to you know they'll they'll get one step forward, but then very quickly take two steps back again. Yes, it's all psychological warfare, massively so. They've, they've spent billions, billions of dollars just on psychology and behaviourists to, to put this whole program across to the public. You know. Yeah. Uh, so, so yeah, they've tried to think of every possible way to con us, and don't forget at the beginning this, this strange character Fauci, who, who literally worked with with the <laughs> with the viruses that were sent over to Wuhan. You know, I mean, you couldn't make this up in, in, a, in a bad movie. Uh, and, and here he is. He told you at the beginning, he says life will never go back to normal. Yeah. But part it, of that, don't we understand? Yeah, he must be clairvoyant. Yeah. yeah, we live in hope, you see, that it's going to, of, of something that's familiar to us. But they've already told us it's not going to go back to normal. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's so much evidence coming out now. And as we started off, the guy from Pfizer, that you've got people in yeah. on Sky News, even in Australia, uh, questioning the numbers and all this, and why, why there's any need for lockdowns and all this. Yeah. 
Yeah. And um, maybe they'll just cover their own backsides. Who knows? But um, oh, it's much bigger than that. They're not yeah. going to. They're not going to. Uh, uh, I tell you, there's no way they're going to back off unless the public no. does it. Well, again, well, yeah, I mean, of course, the the public's influenced by the television, and maybe, maybe, maybe it's going to be like a, a uh, what's his name, uh, the clip from uh, Network. Yes. Where it get, where he says, you know, you are you are reality. Yeah, you are reality, not the television. Yes. You are reality, uh-huh. and. Uh, stir the people up that way I don't know but um, maybe I, I said that to Paula maybe people just need to stop throwing bricks at uh, you know mom and pop restaurants they need to take over the TV stations and put some real information out and see where that goes um, but uh, yeah really well. <laughs> what's coming down the pike is a long term agenda uh, that was planned for years and years and worked out every, every single part of it consequences reactions to every single part like a massive chess game and, and, and they've implemented it, and they're dead serious. Yeah. And now they, they'll go overboard. They're, they're going to do head cracking in the streets shortly, you know, to mm-hmm. terrify the public even more. This is a terror campaign. This is what the brutality of tyranny happens, it turns into, mm-hmm. uh, is to get folks to comply. They'll do brutal, brutal things to make sure you all see it, to comply. And as that happens, that's when you start going after these goons. What was it? Don't forget what, what, what um, Solzhenitsyn said. He said, when the NKVD, you know, you mm-hmm. used to come in the middle of the night and grab people, he says, out their homes and so on. He says, there don't often only be four to six of them at a time. He says, which have grabbed clubs, axes, pickaxes, everything. Mm-hmm. He says, and gone for them right on the spot at the beginning, he says, and it would have stopped it right there. Yeah. I think it was, uh, I, I think he, always, he also said something about uh, when you see that car parked in the street under the, under the, um, the lamppost, you need uh-huh. to get out there and, and uh, drag that guy out of his car and uh, give him a good scene basically. Yes. Um, but I get... they were disappearing people and slaughtering millions in, uh, yeah. over many years. Millions of folk were slaughtered. Yeah, and he mentioned he mentioned to people uh, peeking out behind the curtains uh, as, as cowards. They should have been out there and stopping it right. when they had the chance to do it. And then, well, we'll, we all know what happened. Um, yeah. But, uh, well, we've done our two hours again, Alan, uh, very quickly. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, so <laughs> where, where does that leave us? Uh, say no, I guess. Say no, no, no. no I, I said that in the 1990s, 1998, I think I says, give a talk on it, what was coming down the pike, and I says, you're learning to use no. We've been trained to be, to be compliant, be nice and decent uh, to our own detriment, and you've got to start saying no. Yeah. I, think, I think it's a, and, and more important as well that to, when you say no, you just walk away and leave it at that. You don't even indulge in a conversation about it. You just walk off and then yeah. leave them standing there wondering what to say next. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, when it comes to seeing people getting grabbed on the streets for whatever it happens to be, you, you've got to get the numbers and badge them, all the cops involved, because these they must all get fired and you must start taking action collectively to, to, get, yeah. to, get, to get these characters you know, out of uniform. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I did see one clip from uh, Trafalgar Square at the weekend where this, uh, she looked like a middle-aged woman uh, dressed in a business suit and uh, four or five of these thugs just got around her, threw her around the place uh, yeah. like a pinball machine and then just threw her to the ground and, and nobody, this, this is nobody did anything. Terrorisation, that's what I'm talking about. This is yeah. intentional. They want the public to see that to make you terrified it might happen to you. Yeah, yeah. And this is when you nip it right in the bud now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, well... <laughs> on that jolly note uh, <laughs> we, 
what can you say? I mean, sometimes you just got to laugh and and and, and, marv- and marvel at it and marvel at it in some sense because it's it's genius. You, you can't knock them. They've they've thought this out pretty well. And um, they've had all the time in the world to do it, and all the money, all our money to do it too. Yeah. 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 But uh, it's got to be stopped, and that's that's yes, the yeah, that's the end of it. So yeah. okay, well, pleasure talking to you again. Well, you Always informative. Care. Okay, so with that, uh, we'll sign off and be back on, what day is this? Wednesday. We'll be back on Sunday uh, with news and views. With that, uh, we'll say goodbye.